All right, thank you, church family. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are a God who composes your body perfectly. We are thankful that, that for each one of us who knows Christ this morning, who has turned from our sin and trusted in the work of Jesus Christ, we are thankful that, that you have saved us from our sins, Lord, that you have given us spiritual life, you've given us hope this morning, but we thank you also that you've placed us in a family, that when we are saved, we're not saved by ourselves, Lord, but you include us in your body, that when all the parts are functioning together, Lord, united, Lord, um, we just live out an incredible story of, of your work among the nations. We pray this morning that you would be with us as we open your word, that you would open our eyes to see the wondrous things that are in your word, that as we come to your word, we would humble ourselves, that you would teach us this morning, that you would um, reprove us, that you would correct us, that you would encourage us so that we may be ready to go from this place and to be even greater ambassadors for you and your kingdom. We thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray together. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, I would ask that you open it with me to that passage that John just read, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapter 12 this morning. Hope that all of you have enjoyed your summer. I know that for many, if not all of you, that summer is coming to an end. School starts back this week, I know, for San Francisco School District, but um, I hope it's been an enjoyable summer. I am really, really excited about all the different things that we're going to be doing as a church family this fall, but it begins next Sunday. Next Sunday, we are going to begin our uh, first of many fall summer, ser sorry, fall sermon series, and we're going to begin by going through the book of Esther together. And so that's going to be next Sunday. If you have never read the book of Esther, let me just encourage you, take some time this week to read through it. It is the, one of the most entertaining books in all of the Old Testament. Everything that you could ask for, it has a hero, it has a villain, life or death situations, ironic twists. It is an incredible picture of how God and only God can save his people. And so I hope that you'll join with us starting next Sunday as we look at the book of Esther. But this Sunday, I wanted us to look at this one very foundational text uh, that is foundational for one of our core values here at First SF. If you're new here to our church family, we have a, a, a group of values that really guide who we are as a church, how we engage in ministry as a church. And one of those core values is that we seek to value and cultivate diversity in every aspect of our church culture. Now, if you hear that, you look around in this room, you see the choir, the other things, you, you find that God has blessed us tremendously with an incredible amount of diversity. Um, last count, there were about 32 nations represented in our church family. We have pews with babies and young professionals and senior adults all in the same pew. We are very, very blessed to have a diverse group of people that call First SF home, that call First SF family. But one of the unique ways that this core value is, is lived out that often goes under the radar uh, many times that we don't see it outwardly is that we desire to be a church that cultivate, cultivate a body that is very much uh, available and open in a place of belonging for people on the whole spectrum when it comes to cognitive and physical ability. It's one thing that's very important to us as a church. Now, one of the reasons that this is important is that the statistics, if you look at them, will show you that there are over 650,000 people in the Bay Area 
with a disability. 650,000 people. You zoom out a little bit, and there are 54 million people in the United States, over 600 million people around the world that are impacted by some form of disability, whether that be a long-term mental or intellectual or sensory impairment, a, a cognitive disability, all sorts of disabilities. Now, what is very sad about those numbers is that you look at the research, and, and, and very rarely, if ever, do any of those individuals or families connect with a family of faith, a church family, a community. Going to church for many of these families and individuals is a, is a very hard reality. In fact, um, if you've ever heard of Johnny and Friends, it's an incredible organization that, that works with individuals with special needs all across the world. They recently did a survey and they looked at a study of all the people groups in the world and they said this, when you, when you group all of the disabilities together, people impacted by a disability are the third largest unreached people group in the world. So these aren't just numbers, these are people. And as we look at those numbers, as we know individuals in our own personal life, as we know the, the many members in our church that are impacted by a disability, as we look at that, here at First SF, we have said this, we want to be a place of belonging for individuals that are impacted by disabilities. We want to be a church that, that is, is a home, just as you look in the New Testament and the church is a place for Jews and Gentiles to gather together and the rich and the poor to gather together. That's important, but we want it to also be a place for those across the spectrum when it comes to ability. The reason that we have to keep this a public priority, we haven't talked about this in a while, but the reason we have to keep this a public priority is that we don't tend toward community and close community with people who are different than us. Diversity is hard. Uh, you but life with people who are different than you, then it can be un uncomfortable. It can be messy. But thankfully, the scriptures over and over talk about the body of Christ in such a way that they push us toward what's uncomfortable by ourselves. There's a life, there's a common culture and a community of faith that can only be lived out under the power and authority of Jesus. And that's what makes the church so special. It's what makes it so unique. And one of those passages that we have is this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and if you could go back in time, Corinth was just as diverse as San Francisco. It was an extremely diverse city, and the church of that time reflected the diversity of its city. Like now, that was uncomfortable for many of its members. As happens in any setting, some individuals and groups in that body of Christ were were given greater prominence because their giftings and their abilities were, were clear for the whole body to see, and so they were kind of placed on a pedestal. Others in the body were kind of disregarded. They were ignored. There were cliques and factions and confusion about who in the body should be esteemed as most valuable. Well, Paul looks into this confusion. He looks into this culture of all these different peoples and wondering who's more important than who. And he speaks these important words of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he tells us a few main points. Our first point this morning that you will see in this text is this. In the church, okay, in the body of Christ, the redeemed people, in the church, there is both unity and diversity. There's both unity and diversity. Now, that is a foundational Christian truth because here's the thing. 
when the world looks at those two words, they say they cannot go together. It's kind of like Fox News people and CNN News people. They just cannot coexist, right? Unity is something, diversity is something, but they can't go together. Well, Paul, when he looks at that, he says, no, no, no. In the body of Christ, there's something supernatural that happens. There's a unity that happens in the midst of diversity. They come together. You read that in verse 12. It says this, For just as the body is one, otherwise they are one community, they are unified, is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist, very practical metaphor, but of many. So Paul gives us this very practical metaphor. He says, just as there are arms and there are legs and there are ears and eyes and bones and brains, all these different parts of the body, but they are one body, right? They're all connected together. They all make up one body. He says, so it is in Christ. In the community of Jesus' people that he has redeemed from darkness, he's saved from sin, there are many different parts. There's an incredible amount of diversity, but they are one. You see, the one thing that levels the playing field more than anything else is this reality that no matter who you are in this room, no matter where you fall on the Enneagram scale or the Myers-Briggs test or anything else, all of us are sinners in need of the salvation that only Jesus can provide. Every single one of us. That levels the playing field. We are all in the same scenario. And so what he's saying is for those who have trusted in Christ— For those who have turned from their sin, they've seen their rebellious state, their separation from God, and seen that only Jesus' work can bring about the salvation they need. Only those people, when they come, they're saved not only from their sin, but they are brought into a family. They're not saved alone. They aren't taken from here to here just as an individual, but all of a sudden they're brought into this incredible community, the community of faith where all the body parts are different, but they're one body. There's unity and diversity. The problem is that in this fallen world, unity and diversity are very, very hard to live out, aren't they? I mean, this is true even for Christians. Uh, I believe uh, Dr. King once said that 11 a.m. is the most segregated hour among any hour in America. I think that's probably still true. It's true racially where, where it's very hard to, to be in close community with people who are different. It's uncomfortable at times. This is true in many churches where millennials worship with millennials and senior adults worship with senior adults and they both hate the worship of the other, right? The musical preferences. This is what happens in the natural state. But Jesus says, you are not natural. You've been saved. You've been brought into the kingdom of life. You're my spirit. The spirit of the living God is in you. And I've created an entirely different kind of family. Where people from every different walk of life, every kind of ability, come together under the lordship of Jesus. Paul looks at the church in Corinth and he looks at our church today and here's what he's saying, basically. He's saying, you need to live out right now in the here and now, and yet unified. Live the, the body of Christ is diverse and yet unified. Live this out now. Why would we settle for anything less than what Jesus bought with his own blood on the cross? He says, you are a unified community, which leads us to the second point. 
in the community of faith, in the church, every person belongs and every person has a role. Every person belongs and every single individual has a role to play. Look at verse 15. It says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, and listen to these words, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So Paul's saying a number of things here, but here's the the main point of those verses, that in the body of Christ, every single person belongs. Just as an ear can't look at itself and say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, there should never be a time when a person with a disability comes and tries to be part of our community of faith and says, well, because I don't look like that, or because I can't speak like that, or because I can't hear like that, or because I can't carry a conversation like that, I don't belong. No. Paul says each part belongs. They are pivotal for the whole body to function as it is meant to function. Here at First SF, we are blessed to have within our fellowship individuals with a variety of disabilities. And our desire is that we would be a church not where they're just included as part of our services, but that they truly belong. One scholar said it this way, I was reading this week, he said this, the problem we have with society is a real emphasis and a quite right emphasis on inclusion. I think at one level that's fine. However, inclusion is simply not enough. To include people in society is just to have them there. To belong, you have to be missed. There's something really, really important about that. You have to be missed. When they're not there, we miss them. If you go outside and all of a sudden you're missing your hand, you're going to notice, right? Your hand belongs to your body. He's saying the same is true. When you look at the body of Christ, we need each part. Each part is made to belong. It's made to do what only it can do. So here's the question for you this morning. As we as a church seek to develop a culture that truly is a place of belonging for people who are very different than maybe you are. Here's the question. How do you, in your own personal life, help people to feel like they belong in this community of faith? Do you pity them? Do you just serve them? Or do you truly look at them and say, without them, this body would not be all that it can be, all that God's created it to be? As you walk in on Sundays, do you seek out people who are different than you to engage with in conversation? Do you go to those in our body with physical or cognitive limitations and talk to them? Treat them as as if they belong? Or do we do what so often happens, just kind of walk by? There's a story in the New Testament that's always struck me about Jesus. And it's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. If you want to turn there, you can. I believe it'll be on the screen. Mark is with his disciple, or Jesus is with his disciples. He's on the way to Jerusalem, or he's going to die. He's going to save people from their sins. But it says this in Mark 10, chapter 46. The crowd barred him. They came to Jericho. 
And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. And listen to this. And immediately he recovered his sight. And what happened? And he followed him on the way. Now I want you to notice what happens here. You have two totally different perspectives of this blind beggar. On the one hand, you have the perspective of the many people around him in the crowd. When this man stands up and he begins to shout for Jesus, what do they do? Most of them just ignore him. And in their eyes, he has very little value. Some of them go a step further and it says that they tried to quiet him. Shh, don't, don't bother Jesus. They're ashamed of his presence in the crowd. They think, what could he have to offer? And so they try to keep him on the side. But what does it say about Jesus? Jesus, out of all the people, probably had plenty of things that he had to do, right? He's going to save the, pe- the world from their sins. He had a long, big agenda. But what does it say? It says that Jesus, when he heard this man's voice, he stopped. And he goes and he looks Bartimaeus in the eyes. He asks him, what, what do you need from me? How can I serve you? And when he tells him, he heals him. And then what does it say that this man followed Jesus along the way? Jesus gives this man a family to belong to. He sees his value. I wonder which perspective do you often have when it comes to those who are different than you? Maybe a cognitive disability. Maybe a sensory issues. Physical limitations. Do you see them as valuable? Jesus, when he looks at this person, knows the value. He knows they're made in the image of God. He knows that this man, that God has a purpose for this man. What do we think when we see individuals? It's very clear in this text that every person in the family of Christ belongs and has a role to play. Here's there to not just include them, but we are to be co-laborers alongside one another. Here's the, the last point that we see in this text, and this is this, we need one another. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the parts that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. This is very, very important. This text says we need one another. In other words, there is no person in this body that when we look at them in the body of Christ, we can look at them and say, I don't need anything from you. And this is oftentimes, I think, where we fall short as as Christians and fall short as a church. With many people who have disabilities, what do we say? Well, how can we serve you? 
We, we kind of see these individuals as a silo, a ministry that, that we need to serve, but we don't look at them and say, what do I actually have to learn from that person? In what ways are they serving the body of Christ? What do we have to learn? What can they teach us about God that we're not going to learn apart from the fact that they are belonging in this community? We have to take a step beyond just saying, how can I serve them? For you seeing, you need them. This body, if it's going to grow in godliness, if it's going to reach the city of San Francisco like we've been called to reach it, if we're going to make an impact among the nations, we need every single piece of this body. It says that those parts that the world deems to be weaker are what? Are actually indispensable. That God gives them greater honor. I wonder if the same could be said of our church and how we relate with one another. This morning, I not only want you to see this from God's word, but I want you to, to kind of hear from others in our church body how this is lived out in a very practical way, the way that this text is lived out. And so I've invited three of our church members that, that come from different perspectives, uh, come from different life experiences to kind of talk about uh, their own um, experiences with individuals with disability, but also how that's impacted them and it impacts the body of Christ. And so uh, Bernie Vidalis, if you'd come up, Esther Lamb, and then Diane No, if you would come up. Church family, would you welcome them this morning? Here you go, Bernie. I'm going to let you start with the microphone here. Esther and then Diane, if you'll sit right over there. So most of you, if you've been involved with our church family, know these three individuals. But uh, first, we've got Bernie Vidalis. And I've asked Bernie, if you don't know Bernie, Bernie has a son named Christopher who's an important part of our body. Um, but Christopher has a disability. And so, Bernie, would you just kind of share with the church your journey and learning uh, that Chris had a disability and kind of share your, your story. Yeah. So um, Christopher's primary disability, the one you're probably most aware of, is his inability to speak intelligibly. His, his mouth cannot form the sounds that create words that we associate with language. Um, underlying that, he has auditory processing, which means he can't understand if you speak to him rapidly. He'll understand you if you slow down and give him time to understand. And then possibly related to that, and, and you know, a disability I think a lot of us have is this desire to be in control and want to know information and the resultant anxiety that happens when he doesn't know or things change suddenly on him. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of it's a complicated mix of, of issues for him. Think of, so um, yeah, it's, it is a process. Um, I sometimes think of our life as being um, um, monitored by the, uh, that little person in our car that tells us which way to go, that often tells us recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> you know, our life is constantly recalculating, uh, depending on what we are able to do and not able to do and figuring out ways of moving through life. Yeah. Bernie, why don't you share just for a moment, what, what has Chris taught you about God? How has um, walking with Chris, being Chris's dad, how has that changed you? and also just maybe your understanding of, of God. Yeah, so Christopher, um, he has an incredible joy. Um, if Likely, if you're in the choir, you're up here, you see him worshiping, and he's really worshiping. You know, he, he wants to connect with God. 
And for me, out of that is just that, you know, despite his difficulties and his disabilities, the perseverance that he displays mm -hmm. is an encouragement um, that he's, he works through things and he doesn't give up as hard as it might be for him. He works through that. And then lastly, I think he has a gift of accountability. Like he will hold me and our family accountable to things that we said we would do and the times we said we would start. And he, he also will, holds me accountable for that as well. He holds you accountable and, and Amy Estelle for the bulletin or whatever is, is incorrect there. So he, he has that gift to bring to the church. Yeah, I've, I've heard from many families, there's both joys and struggles for a family um, if they have a, a child with a disability in just church. Uh, the church community. And so maybe just share any of those joys or struggles you guys have faced, um, just to kind of help the church have a bigger understanding of that. Yeah, so, I mean, one joy is that, you know, we are part of a church. And so as part of that, our understanding and the understanding of the church that we choose to be a part of is that we are a community and that we share in one another's struggles. And our culture at large is not great at that. Um, we don't get into each other's business. Um, whether it's good or bad, um, we function as independent units. And um, so that's the struggle, you know, being in the present culture um, where we're all independent, um, but also being a part of a church that wants to move beyond that, wants to reach out and support. Um, we've been able to serve in this body as a family, and Christopher serves as, as an individual where he can, um, and that's great to have a church that is open to that, and um, yeah. Awesome, thank you, Bernie. Um, if you'd hand the, I've got a question for Diane. Diane, maybe just share a little bit of your journey uh, just to help the church understand your own experience with disability, and then I've got a couple other questions for you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, at six months of age, I was, uh, di actually came down with polio. I was born in Vietnam, and it left my left arm and my right leg weakened. So growing up, I've, all I've known is just uh, living life with some kind of physical challenge. Um, when I was in college, I met the Lord and was really blessed, just understanding that, you know, just how Christ was is just a different, it's a different perspective, because I think growing up, I always felt like I didn't belong, that, mm. you know, I wasn't as valuable or as, you know, you know, just as a kid and a teenager is really difficult when you're completely different. But when I became a believer, I think that was when God really broke me down and built me up to the way that he wanted me to look at myself and those around me. That's awesome. So, so maybe just share with the church. I'd be interested. Like, you, you make a dramatic, you make a big impact on a lot of people in your life. And, and we are so grateful for the way that you do that in our church. But we know that you also do that in the community. So I guess, how has your disability impacted your relationship with God? And you've shared a little bit about that right there. But also then... How has God even, in the midst of your disability, God's opened doors for you to minister to others? And so just talk to the church about that. Well, one thing that I've been really blessed and I've realized through the years is that my disability has helped me to um, become dependent. Every day I wake up and I know before I leave the door, I, I need to wear my brace in order for me to move and to do all the things that I need to do. And that is a constant reminder that, to me, that I need the Lord. I need mm -hmm. his strength. Because anything and everything that I've done is not because of my own strength. Because like you said, we're all sinners. But for me, my, part of my sin is physical. You see it, you know, just the weakness. But um, through the weakness, he's actually really given me a very unique perspective and to be able to have a heart 
that really um, cares for those that are hurting. Um, and then because it's so apparent, and when I'm, I'm able to be more vulnerable and people do come to me and to share with, with me the things that they struggle with, I'm pretty, I don't hide my faith, but I don't like blast it out to everybody. And um, two ways in, in which it's been a really, um, has changed my life in the last couple of years is through um, um, this CrossFit class that I've discovered. You know, growing up, I always wanted to be an athlete because everybody wants to be an athlete. But when you're, you have a physical disability, it's really hard. But um, in the last three years, I, um, in a safe, I'm this adaptive CrossFit class and really been able to learn how to strengthen myself in a safe way and to move safely. But also have allowed me to really meet others that have mm. different challenges. You know, all the things that you talk about. Um, uh, people that have lost, um, they're either uh, amputees, you know, those that are, they grow up and they're functioning well and then an accident happens and they lose their leg. That's a huge loss. Mm. So in the last two years, um, since this class, I've been able to really meet and minister to, to those in the class. And we've really, and then my goal for the whole class and the, that community is to build a community. Because many of us that live with disabilities, very isolating. Because mm. um, if we don't have, you know, a good family or um, we can always feel like we're on the edge of everything. So this, this community has really blessed me, too, because it just reminds me that we need each other. And um, it's, just been, it's just been a great thing. And the other thing that I've been really privileged is the last 20 years since I graduated from college, I've been involved with Johnny and Friends. And... Um, I've been involved with this uh, subsect ministry that she calls Wheels for the World, and we uh, get to go and deliver wheelchairs and canes and crutches, and we give a Bible and we share the faith with them. And I've been able to go to um, Vietnam and Thailand a couple of times, and then this past June I went to Ghana and was able to just really meet amazing people, hear their stories. You know, and like you said, you know, many of us think about that we are serving others or that those that are maybe appear less week that we're serving, but really when I serve, I'm reminded mm -hmm. of what it means to be a believer, what it means to really um, give of yourself, but when you give of yourself, you receive so much, and I'm going to continue to do that ministry for as long as I can, just because I think that's, that's where God wants me to be, um, and because of my own experience, it makes me more effective, yeah. um, that those that we give wheelchairs to you know, are not intimidated or they're much more open to receive the word because they see someone like them in some ways. That's awesome, Diane. And, and the really neat thing is that our church members, they're one of our mission partners. And so you can join Diane on her next trip with Wills, around, Wills of the World, Wills for the World. And so uh, that's a unique opportunity for the whole church family as a whole. Um, if you hand it to Esther. So Esther, you have served in our Breathe ministry at our respite events. You've also walked along many families just with different disabilities in our church family. Um, maybe just share, how did this come to be important? Why is that such an important part of the, your ministry, but also we see it in you as just an important part of your life? I think your sermon addressed that really well in that it's the recognition that we're all part of the same body and that we're all chosen and that we're all treasured and, and precious and that we're all part of this royal priesthood together. And so there is no distinction for God in looking at you and looking at Chris or looking at me and saying you, not you, her, maybe not her, but for everybody. And that um, his love 
and that his way that he created all of us for the same thing, to be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with, with each other. So there's this level playing field in God's eyes for all of us. And so I feel like um, any ministry, um, the power that's so powerful about God is that um, he knows you and that he loves you. So he knows, and that's so powerful that to be known, right? That I know Bobby Evans and I care for him and that I know Jonathan, that I know Chris, that I know somebody's name, that intimacy, there's such power in that and so special in, in the body of Christ because that's what we're supposed to be for each other, that we would know each other, that you would be known, Ina, and that is what we're supposed to extend to each other. You would be known, Erica, and that you would be loved, and that is what we're supposed to extend to each other. And so that's my yeah. understanding about being in the body of Christ. And so it's not this ministry versus that ministry, but it's church life yeah. overall. So how, how would you say, because uh, one of the great things that I've seen you do is that that whole mentality of I'm not just there serving, I'm serving alongside. We're co-laborers for Christ. Mm -hmm. I've seen you do that with many individuals that have a disability in our church family. We're co-laborers. It's not me or them. We, we do this together. Mm -hmm. how, how have your interactions, your relationships with those individuals grown you? Um, it helps me know God more and that he loves us all the same. It's kind yeah. of just what I've said yeah. about we're all the same. God's love is the same. And so serving alongside you, serving alongside Chris, serving alongside Cheryl is the same. Yeah. There's no difference. And because I know Chris, we just have a good time. Yeah. Right? And uh, one of my favorite things, we like to go eat sushi together, and we like to go see the movies, and, you know, we're just friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So this is a question for any of you. I guess... Um, for the for the church member that says, what does the next step look like? How do I how do I serve alongside? How do I serve um, these individuals well? Anything that you guys would say? We've given you some things on the pew, so those are some steps. But anything that you guys would like to say to that? Yeah, I would say look through that uh, that page on the lower right. It talks about speaking to the individuals with uh, with the disability. Speak to them. Look them in the eye. I think that is the best way that you can connect. I mean, we're, um, many of us, you know, that's the way we're wired is to connect eye to eye. And I think that that is, you know, that's one way that uh, one good step to take. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else? And I think in any relationship or friendship, you know, you kind of have to be intentional. Yeah. And, um, it's not to say that you have to go out and, you know, make friends with everybody that's different and whatnot. But I think if God calls you, I think he does, he convicts us. He speaks to each of us individually, but he convicts us to, you know, reach out and get to know someone and find out what it is that they may need or, and in return, you may be encouraged by just knowing them. Yeah. And I wanted to say one more thing. Just yeah, go ahead. I think for, we need each other, you know, I think that's bottom line. And for me, like all the things that I've been able to do or, the way that God is using me is not because of my own, like as well as, but I need, everybody here is important and adds the value to my life as well as, you know, vice versa. So I think that's really the bottom line. I feel like we have to be in community. It's key. Thank you, Diane. And then I would just say really simply, I remember why we chose this church, why we kept coming. Um, we visited once and then and Bobby Evans came up and said hello. It was very intentional about 
about meeting us. And I remember the second time I came, um, somebody remembered my daughter's name and said, hi, Emily. And I was really moved by that. And I think there's something so powerful about knowing someone's name and remembering them and connecting with them. And I think that's what we all crave and yeah. want. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. Church, would you say thank you to Bernie and Diane and Esther? I'll take that from you. We're going to close this morning, but my main prayer for our church as we got ready for this day was simply this, that you'd do two things. Number one, that you would examine your own heart. How do you see individuals with a disability? On that sheet, Um, that we handed out, Uh, we've got more of those available, but it's got five different stages. It starts with ignorance and it moves to pity and care, friendship, and then co-labors. Where on those spectrum do you see your relationships with individuals in this body, individuals in your life with with a disability? Is there pity or do you actually see them as co-labors in Christ, that you need them just as much as they need you and vice versa? So I'd ask you to examine your heart. The second thing I would ask is simply this, take a step. Take one step. Like Diane said, we can't get to know everybody, right? We can't be intentional about about knowing people deeply and giving them a place of belonging to everybody, but you can do that with one person. You can do that with two people. There's people in this body that you can get to know, and so let me just encourage you, take a step relationally. Um, We've provided that document that has some etiquette. I know for some of you, it's just that you don't know what to say. You're fearful. You don't know how to interact. And so we gave you that to kind of help you to process what that looks like in your interactions with, with any, any, any person, really, um, but also with people with disabilities. So take a step relationally. But also I'd give you this. Take a step in ministry. Um, in what way is God calling you to serve and come alongside individuals? Right after the uh, service ends, we're going to have an opportunity for you to take an actual next step. And, and so on this side, there's going to be a booth. And, and this is an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm interested in signing up for a one-time event. A one-time event. Maybe that's one of our respite events. We do those and throughout the year for families that have children with a disability. Maybe that is going to be, we've got a number of fall activities we're going to do. Um, one of the neat ones is that next year we are in the process of putting together a team to plan. There's a, an event called a Night to Shine, which is in essence a, a, a ministry event alongside Tim Tebow that does a prom for adults with special needs. And so that's a big event that we're going to need a lot of hands to help with. So maybe you say, I'll help with that. But if you do a one-time event, you're interested in taking a next step, you can come to the front of the stage over here and you can sign up just for more information when those one-time events come up. On this side, you'll have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm interested in longer-term ministry. What does it look like to be a buddy for a child that comes into our service and um, goes to our children's ministry once a month to be a buddy to that child while they're in those classes? What does it look like to serve the adults in our body with, with special needs, whether it's the Sunday morning class or the many other opportunities? We're going to have an opportunity for you to come sign up if you have more desire for training or more interest in a, in a kind of every week, every month kind of ministry in this way. Also, Capernaum is a great ministry with Young Life that we're partnered with that will have their information over here, okay? So what is your next step in ministry? If you are here and you have some kind of disability, you say, I want to serve. I want to be part of the body. I want to, I want to take a next step in, in growing as part of this church family. You can also come up and talk to us about that. We'd love to make a relationship. But maybe it's, let me encourage you, church, examine your heart and take a next step. Maybe that's just a relationship, but maybe it's to take a step into ministry. And as you do so, God will 
teach you more about what we have been talking today. So you'll have that opportunity again right after the service here at the front of the stage. If you would, join me in prayer. We're going to move into our time of offering this morning and move toward the closure of our service.